Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The seven cycles of sin, or sin cycles, are a picture of the human condition. The cycle begins like this. The people would be devoted to God. And then the people forget God and delve into sin. God would send them an oppressor to punish them and defeat them. They would deplore their situation and cry out to God for help. God sends a judge, a deliverer, and restores them. Did you get that? They were devoted then they delve into sin, then they are defeated, then they deplore their situation. God sends them a deliverer to restore them. And as long as the deliverer lives, the people would obey God and be blessed. When the deliverer dies, the cycle repeats itself. People are devoted to God. They delve into sin. They're defeated by the enemy and they deplore their situation. God sends a deliverer and the cycle throughout the book of Judges, that cycle happens seven times. Isn't that a picture of the human condition? Isn't that a picture of mankind? Isn't that a picture of people and humans? We sin. God sends something to get our attention. We cry and God delivers and the cycle continues. We sin. God sends. We cry. God delivers. We sin. God sends, we cry, God comes. Can you say that with me? We sin, God sends, we cry, God, say it again. We sin, God sends, we cry, and God comes over and over. That's the cycle. Now, in verse 11 through 17, you got to see this in chapter 6. Let's move forward just a bit, inch up. Now, in verse 11, if you're looking at it, say amen. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Teberinth tree, which was in Oprah. See, y'all ain't Oprah Winfrey's in the Bible. <laughs> Ophrah. Which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to Gideon, the Lord is with thee, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us, Gideon said, into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, Gideon, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Please underline that. So he said to them in verse 15, he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh 
and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, watch it in verse 16, very important. Surely, what's, what saints, I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talks with me. Let's stop right there. Give me your attention. So the people of God did evil in the sight of the Lord and things got worse. They cried unto the Lord. The angel of the Lord. Remember, we talked about that last week is a Christophany. We call it a Christophany. It's an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. So the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And while threshing wheat in the wine press, the wine press, watch this, is located at the foot of a mountain. And the threshing floor was located at the top of the mountain. Now, we could talk about that. We don't have time. Verse 11 tells us that Gideon is threshing wheat in the wine press, which tells us that Gideon is hiding and fearful of the wrath of the Midianites. And while Gideon in verse 12 is threshing wheat in the wine press, a place he ought not be, the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, hey, you mighty man of valor. Remember, Gideon's hiding. Are you following me? So the angel shows up and said, hey, mighty man of valor. Gideon probably looked around and said, who? Is anybody else here? Because remember, he's hiding, right? Gideon is shocked because it doesn't seem to fit his current circumstance. The angel says, you mighty man of valor. You know, that would be like, um, that would be like saying to Mike Tyson, hello, you golden tongue orator. Or that would be like saying of Cardi B, hello, you paragon of modesty. Somebody say amen. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. But can we just watch this, saints, saints, saints? Can we just give God some praise and thank him right here? Watch this. God doesn't see us in our present situation. Am I right about it? God sees us. Oh, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. That's all right. Are you glad about it? God sees us as a finished product. God sees us with potential. Say amen. To be used in the kingdom. God sees what we can be, not what we currently are. Gideon thought it. Gideon said, hey, angel, uh, uh, it would sound better if you said, hey, loser. God thought it would sound better if he said, hey, leader. God said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Look at verse 13. God is, Gideon is arguing with God. If you are with us, why is bad stuff happening to good people? God doesn't even notice. He doesn't even answer him, does he? You know why? Because some people say stupid stuff. Come on, wave at me and say, go on, preach. I'm going to. Some folks say stupid stuff. And they don't deserve it. Some things are so stupid, it doesn't deserve an answer. God didn't even answer them. Did you get that? Look at verse 14. God said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel. Verse 15, Gideon continues to argue and give excuses. God, how is this going to happen? I'm the smallest. The clan is the smallest. I'm the weakest. And I can hear God saying, I know that's why I want to use you. Verse 16, you will surely defeat the Midianites. That's a promise. Why? Because you're strong? Somebody say no. Because you're awesome? Somebody say no. Because you're good looking? 
Why? Because God is with him, right? Now, in verse 19 through 14, I'm not going to read it. Will you promise just to peruse it with me? In verse 19 through 14, the angel, that would be Jesus, showed up. And in an act of worship, Gideon prepared a meal, butchers a cow, and offers it to the Lord. In verse 21, fire consumed the offering, which means the offering was acceptable. And in verse 24, Gideon called that place. You're looking at verse 24. Gideon called that place Jehovah Shalom or the Lord is peace. And then Gideon took some servants and he tore down the pagan altars and the Midianites and the Amalekites gathered together against Israel. Now, two things, saints, I want you to take your pen here that I want to tell you that you should take note of. If we are going to be people who are not fearful, if we're going to be people who are courageous for God, we're going to have to learn two things. What? Actually, it's one thing but two words. Worship is actually three words. Worship, <laughs> worship and warfare go hand in hand. Hmm? Can you write that down? Worship and warfare go hand in hand. I don't think any discerning Christian cannot feel that there is a war going on. There's a war going on for your soul. There's a war going on for the soul of our country. There's a, uh, pray for me. There's a war going on for freedom and American citizens. There's a war going on for beautiful babies in the womb. Abortion is intensifying. People are being arrested for standing at abortion clinics in a peaceful protest, but not being arrested for mob violence and rioting. Now, listen, I am not talking about people. I've got to say it because folk like to take what you say and twist it all up. I am not peaceful protest. That's what America is about. That's just who we are. That's what we do. That's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing. But rioting is another thing. There's a war going on. Somebody say Amen. There's a war going on for the right to gather as a church. We need to be ready to do battle in the spirit. Am I right about it? With the enemy. I'm wait while you clap those hands right there. Yes, I will. We're talking about an enemy far eviler. Is that a word? Evil. It is now. Eviler. Write that down. He's far more evil than mankind. A spiritual enemy. They cannot be defeated with bullets and guns. This enemy cannot be outrun, outsmarted, or outstrategized. This enemy that I'm talking about is the devil. That's what's going on. What we see going on, Satan, is, uh, um, uh, is Satan, and it is spiritual what we see going on. And we cannot do battle in the spirit with fleshly weapons. For the weapons... Corinthians tells us of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They're not fleshly weapons. We don't need to run and hide in a cave and be silenced. It's time to stand. Somebody say amen. This is time to suit up, saints. Suit up. 
and get ready for battle and put on the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter six. Y'all know we got to read it. Ephesians six, 13 through 18. Can you keep up with me? Read it with me. Come on. Read it with me like you mean it. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Oh, y'all come on, read that thing with conviction. Come on. Supplication for all the saints. You got to put on. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands right there. I'm going to wait. You got to suit up. It reminds me really quickly. Can I tell you when I, you Calvary Chapel, you know, I, I, I traveled to Saudi Arabia. Uh, I was in the military. For those of you that maybe don't know, and I was stationed with the Marine Corps. And I, I told you like these last couple months has been like a uh, walk down memory lane for me and 25 years and so on and so forth. So I am. Um, in, in the Marine Corps, stationed with the Marine Corps, and I'm Navy, and we are sent to Saudi Arabia Desert Storm. The plane ride is great. It was a great plane ride. Matter of fact, the best plane ride we probably ever had. Nice seats. It was like the plane was like all first class almost. There's a bunch of us on there. The best plane food ever. We had soda and chips and food and games. The stories are coming by. Can I get you anything else? I mean, I think we had steak. It was really good. She's like, can I get you anything else? I'm thinking, this feels like the Last Supper. <laughs> I really did. So we land in El Jabal, Saudi Arabia. We are instructed to don, put on our flak jackets, put on our helmets, our gas masks, tie our, our gas masks around our waist, and be ready, locked, and loaded when the plane lands. So the tension is mounting as we land in El Jabal. We don't know. We don't know what's going on on the ground. We're not told. Everybody has on their helmets. We're all ready to go. It plane lands. The door opens. And we're ready. And for the first time in my life, I felt like Rambo. <laughs> Adrian. I loved it. I love the military. I love that. And we were here it is, ready for battle. We were in a spiritual sense, saints, we must be ready for battle. You get ready for battle every single day when you wake up in the morning and you put on the full armor of God. That's how you get ready for battle, spiritually speaking. Got to move forward. Chapter 6 and verse 14, we already read it. God told, watch this, Gideon. The army of Israel would defeat the Midianites. Now look at verse 36 through 40 in chapter 6. So Gideon said to the Lord, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put what saints? A fleece of wool on the threshing floor, and if there is dew on the fleece only, and if it is dry on, and, and, and it is dry on the ground, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand, God, as you have said. And it was so. When the morning came, they squeezed 
the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And then Gideon in verse 39, y'all looking at it, said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. So Gideon, saints, decides to put a fleece out before the Lord. He said, God, if you're going to save Israel as you have said, are you following me? I'm going to put a fleece out of wool. And if in the morning there's dew on the fleece and not on the ground, then I'm going to know that it's you, God. Next morning, we read it. Fleece is wet. Ground is dry. God is faithful. Verse 39, Gideon said, God, don't be angry. Thank God. God is God. Don't be angry. But let's do it another way. I'll put the fleece on the ground. If the fleece is dry and the ground is wet, then I'll know that, God, you're keeping your word next morning. Fleece is dry, ground is wet, God is faithful. Now, don't we hear this all the time? Have you ever heard this? God, I, somebody has a decision to make. Well, I, should I move to Texas? Should I not move to Texas? Should I take this job? Should I not take that job? Should I buy a house or should I not buy a house? I'm going to put a fleece out before the Lord. Has anybody heard that before? People say they're going to put a fleece out so they can find out God's will. I want to know if God wants me to live with my boyfriend, so I'm going to put a fleece out. I ain't talking to nobody. Now, two things. Let me just tell you this here. We're going to move. I'm trying to move a little quicker. Two things. Number one, there is no need for a wool fleece, cotton fleece, polyester, silk fleece. Call it whatever you want, whatever the material. No need to ask God, does he want you to live with your boyfriend or not? Say amen. You don't need a fleece for that. And then number two, the fleece Gideon put before the Lord. Here it is, saints. It was not a fleece of faithfulness. It was not. It was a fleece of faithlessness. It was the fleece of a man who didn't trust the Lord. Gideon didn't believe the word of the Lord. Gideon didn't trust the Lord. Gideon was already told that God was going to defeat the Midianites. The fleece speaks of disobedience. Are you following me? And you don't need a fleece. Or any other technique to know God's will. If you want to know God's will, I'm talking to somebody. It's simple faith and obedience to follow God step by step. God is big enough to move in your life without a fleece, test, or tricks. Chapter 7, verse 1. Thank you, baby. Chapter 7. Verse 1, then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harad, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreb, or Moray, in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you, Gideon, are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned 
and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many, Gideon. Bring them down to the water in verse 4, and I will test them for you there. And then it will be that of whom I say to you, the one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, the one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. And so he brought the people down to the water in verse 5. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps, watch it, laps the water with his tongue like a dog laps water. You shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was how many saints? 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Stop right there. So remember in chapter 6 and verse 34, the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and Gideon blew the trumpet and the people gathered. Now we come to chapter 7 in verse 1 and we learn, did you pick this up? Gideon's nickname is Jerubbabel. Jerubbabel means, got your pen? The one who fights with Baal. The one who fights with Baal. Gideon means powerful warrior. His father named him Jerubbabel after he tore down the altar of Baal. And you'll find that in chapter 6 and verse 32. So Gideon blows the trumpet. And 32,000 men gather at the well of Harad from all over the nation to face off with the Midianites. Harad means, got your pen, the place of trembling or terrified. Harad means the place of trembling or terrified. It's almost like, wow, God, thanks. You have us meeting in a place called trembling and terrified. Gee, thanks. We're already trembling and terrified. In the place of trembling and terrified. God said, Gideon, you've got too many in your army, 32,000. You're looking at it in verse 2? Judges chapter 8, in verse 10, don't turn there. It tells us that there were 135,000 Midianites. So the odds Israel to the Midianites are 4 to 1 against Israel. So every Israeli has got to kill 4 Midianites. Keep in mind. The Jewish people are no Mel Gibson Braveheart types. They are not. They are worshipers and warriors. Write that down. God's people are worshipers, not warriors. They're not warriors. God tells them their army's too large. Odds are too much in their favor. And they're probably shaking in their sandals. And God says, send those who are fearful home and 22,000 left. The army is now 10,000 and the odds are 14 to 1. That means that every one Israelite has to kill 14 Midianites. In verses 4 through 8, God says, there's still too many. Give them a test, Gideon. God said, everyone who laps like a dog, set them aside. And those who get down and bring the water to their mouth, they're warriors. There were 300 men who put the water to their mouths. In other words, the 300 men drank and watched and stayed ready. You know, somebody once said, when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. These guys were ready and God is ready to use them. Only 300 men passed the test. 300 men passed the test. I found this uh, 
meme. Look at that. You know what? They got that movie from the Bible. I'm not kidding. 300 men passed the test. The Midianites, 135,000. The odds are for, were 14 to 1. Uh, uh, yeah, 4 to 1, first of all, 14 to 1. And now the odds, are y'all ready for this? 450 to 1. That means each man in Gideon's army has to kill 450 Midianites. In verse 9 through 14, we don't have time to read it, but listen to me close and just peruse with me. 9 to 14. Gideon, it's time to move out. Go down and check them out. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.